Welcome back. Episode 35 Inside Atlanta Football. I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor at the News Gazette. Across the table is beat writer extraordinaire Scott Ritchie. Hi, Scott. Hello, Matt. How are you? Oh, you know, just, uh, I guess looking forward to Saturday's game at <laughs> Purdue. Um, you know, I have some some memories at Ross State Stadium. Uh, you know, we covered EIU mm-hmm. get, uh, you know, run off the field <laughs> by Purdue um, more than a decade ago. That's been maybe a while. like a, maybe just a decade. Two thousand seven, fourteen years ago. Still remember Purdue tight end Dustin Keller blowing up Eastern Illinois safety Keandre Sams on probably a block that's illegal now. Yeah, and then, I mean, what I remember the most about that play was they showed the replay on the video board, <laughs> I think, 40 times. Um, so, yeah, maybe, I mean, it was a fun game to be there. It rained a lot that game. Yeah, that's uh, I think basically everything that always rains at ross Eight Stadium. It's true. Rained a lot in 2019 when Illinois won on the road. They brought Purdue. the cannon back to Champaign that year, Scott. Yeah, and then Purdue promptly took it back last year. They're the, just continuing the, the trend in, in the series that's that's ongoing uh, with the visiting team, I believe, having won seven of the last nine games in the, the annual rivalry, which will be the 97th meeting between the two teams on, on Saturday. and Deadlocked in a tie. 45-45 and 6. Thankfully, it won't be a tie after Saturday, though, yeah, I mean, because there are no ties anymore in college football. Thankfully. That ended 26 years ago. I mean, I think you know, the purpose of playing is to win or lose. Thanks, Herm. <laughs> you play to win the game. I, I've heard that before. Um, but it's, it's a winnable game for Illinois. Isn't every game a winnable game for Illinois? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just let's, let's be blunt and honest. Probably not. Well, they. Um, I mean, I guess in, technically yes, okay. but if we want to add a little more context to it, um, not necessarily. But you know, with Purdue, they're not going great guns mm-hmm. this year. Um, have a bit of a quarterback controversy, I suppose. Same could be said for Illinois, probably. Well, I think Brett Bielma and Tony Peterson squashed that when they said, you know, said Brandon Peters is still the starting yeah, quarterback. Yeah, but if Peters. Goes ten of twenty six again at Purdue. Yeah, it might I see some more Art Sikowski. I think you're gonna. I think that question's gonna be be raised again before the Forty ers come to visit not San Francisco but Charlotte on on October second. Um, yeah, as we sit here on a gray, dreary Wednesday afternoon, where the rain has somewhat stopped for a little bit here in Champaign. I guess this is what football weather is, Scott, but it's also called weather in east central illinois because a few days ago it was 90 degrees and yeah i think we've seen our last 90 degree day for the year hopefully bundled up here in a blanket no i'm fall's my favorite season i love fall it's the best weather um it is very true my wife and i disagree on this constantly she's a fan of summer right i'm not a i'm not a summer fan it's too hot very yes i don't like to be hot i don't either (laughs) um but you know it's football weather you know, again, um, we'll see if the football results can be a little bit better for Illinois. Although, I, if you look at the Maryland game, only lost by a field goal, but also allowed Maryland to score 10 points in the final five minutes to, you know, win the game. And that it was a brutal ending because, you know, up by a touchdown, 
at worst, maybe Maryland, you know, scores on one drive and you tie and go into over, overtime and anything can happen. But but no, gave up two drives, um, 100 and some yards combined between the two and Joseph Petrino. No relation to Bobby and Paul, maybe. I don't know. I had to look it up. Maybe they are related. Uh, kicks the game winner and just, you know, a really good opportunity for Illinois to get back on track after two straight losses turns into a third straight and pins more hopes, I think, on Saturday's game at Purdue. 2.30 p.m. kickoff at ross Aide Stadium in, in West Lafayette, Indiana, the first Big Ten road game of the Brett Bielema era that will end much sooner than the Maryland game. I'd be very worried if Illinois-Purdue ended about 11.50 p.m. on Saturday night, which is around the time the Maryland game ended last Friday night. Um, I'll be lodging a formal protest <laughs> from West Lafayette if the game is still happening. So will all the Illinois fans are going to make the short drive over to Purdue and uh, stop at the Beef House on the way because that's the annual excursion whenever Illinois plays Purdue is the Beef House is kind of the halfway point and people should always stop there for some great food and, and great roles specifically. Me, speaking of Purdue, and Scott and I joked before the podcast that we were going to try to talk <laughs> at least as much as we could about uh, things other than Illinois football considering they're one and three right now and, and struggling in the Big Ten. Why does Illinois and Purdue, why don't Illinois and Purdue play each other twice every year in basketball, Scott? It's a fair question. They do this season. Okay. But in the past, they haven't. That, that needs to be a locked-in home-and-home series every year. It's it's an hour and 40 minutes away. Yeah. I mean... I, it's like from driving from Champaign to Springfield. I mean, Illinois is... Just the other direction. ...partner, so to speak, in the Big Ten is Northwestern. So that's guaranteed two games against the Wildcats every year because that's such a rivalry. Uh, it's, it's not. <laughs> um, although, you know, for, what, last year for a... A half, things were looking bleak for Illinois against the Wildcats, and then they outscored them by for the fifty-two to thirteen. Yeah, just a, the most ridiculous half of basketball I've ever seen. Yeah, Illinois and Purdue should play all the time. Okay. Other other big events this weekend too. I'm writing about this in Thursday's paper, not related to Illinois football, but Steve Stricker, captain of the U.S. team at the Ryder Cup that tees off Friday just north of us here in Wisconsin at Whistling Straits. Had the chance to catch up with uh, his former teammate at Illinois, close friend and uh, Illinois men's golf coach, Mike Small, earlier this morning to kind of get some stories about Strick and just what it's like to, to see him on this stage. So pretty cool moment uh, for him. Uh, he's also got big 10 ties too with Wisconsin. I still to this day, the coolest halftime show outside of the typical marching band fair, because let's face it, Sometimes the marching the line are the best part of an Illinois football game. More than sometimes. Yeah, but shout out to the band. 20, I can't remember the year exactly. Illinois played at Wisconsin, 11 a.m. kick, which us sports writers are jaded. Best time for a kickoff. No offense. I understand fans want like the 2.30 p.m. kick for the whole tailgating atmosphere. I get that. I understand that. But from our selfish point of view, and this is our podcast, 11 a.m. kickoff's best time ever. Now that that rant is over, and we can dive into that more later, Illinois played it up at Camp Randall, 11 a.m. kickoff, I think mid-October, sunny day, perfect. And Bob Oswitz and I walked into Camp Randall and walked in the same time as Steve Stricker, about 7.30 in the morning, and wondering, what the heck is Steve Stricker doing here? I know he's a Wisconsin native, and maybe he's just coming to watch the game, but why is he here three and a half hours before kick? 
Only stupid sports writers do that. <laughs> he had to practice what was, again, outside of the marching bands, the coolest halftime show I've ever seen where he stood on, I'm horrible at directions, he stood on one end zone where the Wisconsin students are on kind of like a elevated platform and tried to hit golf shots into at midfield at the 50-yard line. And he came damn near close a few times actually doing it during the game. Got to see him do it during pregame warmups, which was pretty cool. So it all ties back together in the, on this podcast. So there, yeah, there's Steve Stricker, Illinois. Yeah, there you go. Illinois golf, Illinois football. It's all in the same. But I, I've been thinking about the Ryder Cup because it's, it's cool. It's one of my favorite events. And we didn't have it last year because of the pandemic. So yeah. it's been since 2018. I didn't realize, too, until kind of researching it more this morning and writing about it. Europe's won seven of the last nine. Yeah, they've pretty well dominated. This century. That's, yeah. that's not kosher. But it's just an interesting wrinkle uh, I, was, I was thinking about the Ryder Cup was like for one of the pairings, one of the days, like the opposing team chooses the, the matchups, like who the partners are. Bryson and Gishin. Mostly because I want Bryson and <laughs> Bryson. They made up. They're BFFs now, Scott. Okay. <laughs> they are. They had dinner. They they talked on the course. Sure. I think, you know, they're maybe burying the hatchet, not in each other's backs uh, for the Ryder Cup, but just... You know, I don't think they actually get along. But probably I just, not. But the other team could sow discord. I mean, I think that would probably be really only advantage for Europe because they all seem to get along every year. But it's a great event. Great event also, too, and, and Mike Small brought this up as well. It's like a college football atmosphere because the fans are rowdy. They're cheering. I don't know if they're – I'm sure they'll be tailgating some – get some brats going in the morning early on, on Friday and Saturday and Sunday up in Sheboygan. Uh, it's just a, it's a great great event. Hopefully, by the time Saturday evening rolls around, maybe Illinois fans are feeling good about where Steve Tricker has the U.S. team, and also feeling good because Brett Bielma's team is going to end a three-game losing streak and bring the cannon back to Champaign. It's a possibility. Now I mentioned you know Purdue has two quarterbacks, so they maybe don't have any. Just like Illinois, yeah. <laughs> you really just want that one guy. I, I was think. all I was all on board the Jack Plummer hype train too. I, I picked Purdue to beat Notre Dame last Saturday in in our Big Ten page, and I thought I looked okay for about a half, and then Purdue just kind of fell apart. Yeah, and you know David Bell is I suppose still questionable. You know their star Purdue star receiver uh, is in the concussion protocol, so you would imagine he doesn't play because you know let's take care of his brain that'd be that's priority so that's a, a blow for purdue but even and they Boost lost for illinois yeah and, and purdue also lost you know their mike all 2.0 xander horvath broke his leg a couple weeks ago um and milton wright might also be questionable you know they're they're other pretty talented receivers. so purdue's hurting while illinois is recovering yeah illinois is going to be about as healthiest as it's been all season knock on wood if you're with me <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> hey, Nate Hobbs, one of John Gruden's favorite players, former Atlanta, starting for the two and O Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, it's it's huge for him. Um, so it, this is an opportunity for Illinois to again go to Purdue and get a win. It's something you know previous Illinois coaches have been able to pull off. A lot of them, in fact. If Brett Bielema wins on Saturday. Just consider this: he'd be the fourth Illinois coach to win at Purdue in the last eight years. That is. I mean, Chris, to even okay, comp- try to comprehend. That sounds good on one hand, <laughs> wins at Purdue, but four <laughs> coaches in eight years, I think, maybe paints a picture of where this Illinois football program is. Lovey Smith got drenched in the rain in 2019. 
I think Brandon Peters maybe threw the ball only in pregame warmups. I think they. Uh, I think they're probably like completed three, three passes okay, in that the game. Right. I mean, obviously, and also that game included the best punt of all time. Blake Hayes just sending a rifle shot down the sideline, hits the pylon. It was, I mean, just another classic. I don't Blake remember Hayes the 2017 game at Ross Aid. I know they lost. Illinois lost. I have honestly have no recollection of that game at all. I'm pretty sure you were there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> if I was, I don't remember it. 2015, yeah. Illinois ran over Purdue. Bill Cubitt's win there. Keyshawn Vaughn, Josh Ferguson both went for over 100 yards. And 2013, very cold day. Tim Beckman got his win against Purdue. So Brett Bielema's got a chance to, I guess, add to the infamous streak of different Illinois coaches winning at Ross 8 Stadium in the last decade. Yeah, so what we're telling you is there's a chance. And what we're also hoping is that when we record this podcast in 2023 when Illinois plays at Purdue, there's not a different Illinois coach trying to lead the Illini to a win in West Lafayette. That'd be pretty unfortunate. Josh Whitman just takes over and says, screw it, I'm the coach. I'm going to win in my hometown. Yeah, I think if he has to fire a third football coach, that might not be great for him. Let's not get down that rabbit hole right now. But of the remaining games on the schedule, this is one of those that, I mean, not only is it winnable, but it's almost, you know, maybe a better win. Yeah, I wrote about it last Friday, how the Maryland game kind of had that must-win feel. Well, the Purdue game is an absolutely 100,000% must-win game. Uh, I mean, they're sitting at, Illinois sitting at 1-3. and three. Still looking good in the Big Ten standings because they're 1-1. One and one. This is Purdue's first Big Ten game, too, after they, they opened uh, with three non-conference games. But to say must-win games twice in September is never a good sign. And you look at the remainder of Illinois' schedule, and it is it's pretty daunting uh, considering they're going to play three ranked teams. So you'd think automatically on paper, three losses. They're at one and three right now. That gets them to six losses. They need to go five and three to keep slim bowl hopes alive. So Saturday's game is a huge one for the trajectory of this 2021 season for Illinois. Yeah. I mean, I guess like they could win four games and maybe still be in the, on the outside, maybe half like with one foot into the bowl picture because literally every team makes a bowl game these days. If not every team, but it's probably feels that way too close to the being the truth. Um, but it just needs to be, I don't know, some kind of positive momentum. Because there was plenty after the Week 0 win against Nebraska. And you know, here we are a few weeks later, and the attention, I believe, from the majority of the fan base has turned to, well, basketball season is coming and practice starts like literally next week. And the Ryder Cup this weekend. That's a, a nice diversion. But it's it's basketball season in Champaign. Well, it looked for a while, and I, you know, it's easy to kind of sit here and play Monday morning quarterback and all that, and and look back at the, the Illinois defense letting Maryland basically just do whatever they want and drive down the field uh, to get that game tying touchdown late, and then the really really bad series, one probably one of the worst offensive series in Illinois football history to set up. Honestly, couldn't have been much worse. What was it, 4th and 35? And I, then, to add on to it, too, Blake Hayes. Still, I'm on board for Blake Hayes for Team MVP because he's really, really good at kicking the football, but 
arguably had one of the least satisfactory, least productive punts of his career. It was not a great, not a great kick to set up the eventual game-winning drive that culminated with Joseph Petrino kicking that 32-yard field goal. Again, the final what five minutes of the game against Maryland is kind of the one that's been scrutinized and and talked about most of of the last few days, but. Illinois had chances. I mean, James McCourt field goal doesn't get blocked. That kind of maybe changes the trajectory of, of what if Brandon Peters could, you know, take advantage of Illinois forcing a turnover by not then giving Maryland the ball back right again after. On the very next play. Exactly. And, I mean, they, I'm they still, had, they like, had don't know how you overthrow Luke Ford because he's a big dude. They but. had multiple opportunities before the most un-Illinois play ever actually happened to Illinois with Casey Washington recovering Reggie Love's fumble and returning it 30 yards for a touchdown to give Illinois a lead. And the defense, for the, I think if you would have told me, okay, Illinois is going to hold Maryland to 20 points before last Friday night's game, I th- think I would have felt pretty confident that Illinois might have left Memorial Stadium with a win. So good improvement for the defense after just getting completely torched the previous week at Virginia step back though in the overall picture with the offensive inefficiencies and also to some of the special team struggles that Illinois had yeah and you know with the offense obviously Brandon Peters super inefficient mm-hmm. I mean he completed roughly like 38 percent of his passes which is honestly like half of what you want like good college quarterbacks complete 70 percent mm-hmm. of their yeah. passes essentially um, also, some questionable play calling. Um, Illinois had, I think, a first and goal heading into um, the north end zone and had been running the ball pretty well. Chase mm-hmm. Brown, Josh McCray, and then Tony Peterson dialed up three straight pass attempts trying to get the ball to Daniel Parker, which, hey, that's great. That's your tight end. Maybe it's not a bad idea to get him involved, but three in a row that none of them were complete and then you kick a field goal like what are you doing there it's just it didn't make a lot of sense in the moment makes equally as little sense right now and then you know Brett Bielma argued the point that Illinois second to last offensive possession they got conservative um, but you know ran the ball with Reggie Love multiple times in a row, fourth and one. Tried to get a you know, draw Maryland offsides with Blake Hayes under center. I like that idea, let him throw the ball um, just because maybe he can, and I'd like he, to see Blake it. Hayes was one of Illinois' better running backs last season. Yeah, but then you, you punt, and I get it. You know, you've got Blake Hayes as a weapon. Use him, and you know he pinned Maryland mm-hmm. inside the 15-yard line, uh, but it backfired. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of hindsight, you know, being 2020, but was a little conservative. Going back to our good friend Herm Edwards, like we mentioned at the start of this podcast, you play to win the game. Yeah, and that's, you know, uh, what Brett Bielma said. It was like, you know, even on, you know, the last Illinois offensive possession, you know, they were playing to win. Uh, Brandon Peters did not help them in that regard. Uh, I mean, the first sack he took wasn't on him necessarily 
I think Vidarian Lowe actually should have gotten credit for the sack because he just got bum rushed mm-hmm. right back into Brandon Peters. The second sack, Brandon's fault. Only what Maryland had what six sacks on the night. Yeah, and the def- Illinois defense what recovered two fumbles. Yeah, but and then the play that I still can't get over. The completed pass to Blake Gerasati. Hopefully you saw Sunday's News Gazette where our ace photo editor, Robin Schultz, who was at Friday night's game last week, captured a site you don't see very often, and that's a starting center <laughs> with the ball looking to make some moves. I, he was ready, field. too. He shifted mm-hmm. ball position from one arm to the next, turned upfield, was, was looking to go. but like Obviously, that's illegal. You can't throw the ball to your starting center. Yeah. And it's like, good when, you know, Andre Cabello throws the ball to starting center Kofi Coburn. Not ideal when Brandon Peters throws the ball to starting center. Blake Gersati, who was playing because Doug Kramer was out last Friday night. Yeah, and I get like Brandon was being pressured, but I mean, did he forget that Blake snapped him the ball like seconds earlier? It's just Yeah, you know, we talked about how you know, there were some improvements made, certainly by the defense, but can't play a 55 minute game because mm-hmm. that that last five minutes changed the trajectory of that game and cost Illinois uh, a much needed win. You know, a former college football coach once told me as I was standing on the pristine shores of uh, whatever that lake is called out at Husky Stadium in Seattle that if you take away a few plays in this game, we're in it. Uh, I'm sure it's not, Ellen, the, it's not the only time that former <laughs> college football coach said that. I'm sure uh, Brett Bielman and his staff, looking back on that Friday night loss to Maryland, would certainly like a handful of a plays back. But Scott, they are. It seems you wrote about it in, in Tuesday's News Gazette that injuries are starting to maybe kind of dissipate for the Illini, and for the first time all season this Saturday, you might have. Your starting quarterback, your starting center, and your starting running back playing on the opening snap, possibly uh, Saturday against Purdue. Yeah, Illinois has not started a game with Doug Kramer snapping to Brandon Peters, who then turns to hand it off to Chase Brown. Just hasn't happened, and that's kind of wild. Um, but yeah, Doug Kramer expected to be back. Julian Pearl, who got hurt late in the Maryland game, expected to be back. Chase Brown, Josh McCray expected to be back. Um, Keith Randolph will be a a nice bonus for the Illinois defense that, again, looked better mm-hmm. for just not quite long enough. As Maryland, so Keith is expected to be back as well. Um, so that really, it, you're just kind of down to you know C.J. Hart's style for the season, mm-hmm. um, and then you know a handful of other players not really on the, the too mm-hmm. deep or out. You know, Jafar Armstrong, Brian Hightower have really played sparingly, just a few snaps each uh, against Virginia and against Maryland. There again, maybe close to being like fully ready to play. So could be a boost for a, a passing game that one needs someone to get open and two needs someone to catch that ball when they're open. On the bright side, I, I think a huge revelation so far uh, as we sit here a third of the way through the season is the progress and, and steady production from Josh McCray, a true freshman uh, who Illinois fans hardly knew anything about almost 10 months ago before he became the first high school player to commit to Brett Bielma and then ultimately signed last February. Uh, For him to 
kind of have the effect he's having, uh, especially against Maryland as a true freshman, a year removed from playing high school football, uh, is certainly, I think, a positive sign not only for what he could potentially do in 2021, but looking ahead to his potential college career. He's a he's a back unlike any other on the Illinois roster, and, and the fact that Bielema and, and Tony Peterson seem to have so much confidence in him so far, so young in his college career, I think bodes well for for what he could potentially do at Illinois. Yeah, well, he's proven that at six one and two hundred and forty pounds, tough to bring down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, got a chance to talk with him yesterday, so that'd be Tuesday for our mm-hmm. listeners. Um, and yeah, he said that you know, he's from Alabama, so arm tackles don't work. <laughs> um, I guess you know, that's maybe uh, hard to prove, but it didn't work for for Maryland on his you know, touchdown run. And, yeah, he just, if he gets going downhill, he's going to pick up some yardage. And his role has steadily increased uh, from, and I don't think he played in the opener, but, you know, just got a few carries against UTSA, a little more against Virginia. Now it's the point where he is the number two mm-hmm. back. And the idea, as long as Chase Brown and Josh McCray stay healthy, is that's going to be the two you mm-hmm. see yeah. primarily. Uh, so. And Josh McCray's got a cool number, number zero. Don't know off the top of my head any other college football players that, that have the number zero and can't remember the last time if ever Illinois had a player wear number zero. I don't think they have. Okay. Ed Bond shaking his head no, and he's seen a lot more Illinois Ed football games um, outside of almost Lauren Tate. So Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's also, I think, noted – Notable that Josh McRae is a Brett Bielma recruit and is playing. Um, DJ Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, the freshman outside mm-hmm. linebacker, um, has gotten more playing time of late, and I think that will continue to happen. Well, and it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting storyline to watch play out the rest of the season with, with the Illini's. You know, Scott, you and I have talked about this off air, and it's it's like a bad cycle on repeat with Illinois football in the past where they – Bring in a new coach, and then the new coach brings in his own players, and then you start to see his players play more than players from the previous staffs. We saw that with Lovey Smith in, in 2016 and 2017, where he basically just kind of hit the restart button and started playing a bunch of freshmen over a lot of veterans. And in a smaller sense, we're kind of starting to see that with, with Brett Bielema. Uh, you yeah. had Seth Coleman start in place of Isaiah Gay against Maryland. You had Tavion Nicholson start in place of Tony Adams against Maryland. You're seeing Josh McCray get more heavily involved in the offense. The Rock getting involved on the defense. And then, you know, Saturday, uh, Brett Bielema said this, that true freshman linebacker, Kanena Odaluga, another one of his mm-hmm. high school you know, recruits uh, in the late winter, it's going to play. So it hasn't hasn't happened maybe in as high a percentage as, say, the Lovey Smith, I'm going to blow this thing up in 2017 mm-hmm. um, situation did, but there's a little bit of that. And I, you know, we just talked about four different coaches in eight years of one at Purdue for Illinois. It's not necessarily how you want to build a program because you find yourself in these situations more frequently and there's just – you're hitting the reset button so often that 
Yeah, it's hard to, to build. Well, that's another interesting, again, another interesting story, and I'm kind of paying attention to the season, is if the season does start to kind of spiral uh, and the losses do start to, to stack up, how quickly does Brett Bielman and the staff kind of look towards the future and, and try to get some of these young players some, some experience and some playing time and move on from this senior class that, that is deep in numbers but not – has not achieved the level of success that any of them thought they would get when they they've signed with Illinois. I mean, that's an, and how that affects the rest of this season, how it affects the locker room chemistry and all of that is, is other, some kind of subplots to, to continue watching. And then we'll get kind of even more of a, a clear picture on some of those questions come Saturday. So we're getting near the end of the podcast, Scott, but before we go, we have to get your prediction for Saturday's game because you are still, you're, Four and zero on the season, Scotty. You, you picked yeah. Maryland to beat Illinois. It was a closer game than you than anyone anticipated. Definitely, yeah, four and zero definitely wouldn't have gone on the under. Yeah, looking back, four and zero overall, three and one against the spread. Okay, um, you know this week Purdue opened as a what, eleven point mm-hmm. favorite. Might be a little closer than that. Okay. Um, so you're saying there's a chance? I'm saying I'm, I'm saying there's a chance. However, <sighs> there's always a however or a but. That's never a good thing. It's like, but no. we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk. Man, those are <laughs> just uh, that's the worst phrase ever. Um, I think I'm going to go Purdue 24, Illinois 21. Ooh. Another close one. Okay. Maybe another heartbreaker Ooh, for Illinois. I don't know. Oh. I don't know if uh, that's the thing. I don't know if the Illinois fan base would just rather see that if they're going to lose just, you know, get it out of the way, just get blown out early, get routed or stay competitive, hang in there. I think for the optimistic Illinois fan, you'd like to see them stay close, stay competitive like they did against Maryland. Obviously, it hurts losing a, a close game like that. But it's better, I don't know, is it better than the alternative of just getting run out of the stadium by halftime at all? I mean, based on the his- the recent history of Illinois football, you know, being competitive, I mean, is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I'm not so much for the moral victory thing yeah. uh, because a loss is still a loss. But I suppose, yeah, it's losing, say, 20 to 17 to Maryland, it's still not great, but it's better than losing 63 to nothing to Iowa. Like, it's true. Happened when. A few years ago, when Illinois gave up sixty-three points, what like four times? That is also true. That was a not a great season. All right, I'm sticking with Scott. I'm going Boilermakers. I think the Cannon's going to stay in West Lafayette. I got. I think I'm going to go thirty-one seventeen. I think Illinois fares better in the first half. I think Tony Peterson makes some adjustments scheme-wise and, and to put the offense in better position. I think Brandon Peters performs better in the first half, but I think at the end of Saturday's game is the, the sun starts to set i think you're going to have a lot more questions about what this illinois team is going to look like in october than you did coming into september yeah and i guess the one thing we did mention you know with purdue um you know, just how their offense might look but their defense still has george Karloftis, uh who neither brett bielman or tony peterson uh wanted to attempt to pronounce his last name Karloftis isn't that hard um but after brandon peters got sacked six times against maryland like that's a NFL mm-hmm. edge rusher eventually, like like next year eventually. Yeah. Uh, could be trouble. 
All right, we'll see. We'll have all the coverage uh, in, in the News Gazette and at uh, AlinaHQ.com. For Scott, for Ed Bond, I'm Matt Daniels. We'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Alina Football.